comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Ichabod Crane. Good morrow, and welcome to the Ichabod Cranecast, the podcast that recaps each week's new episode of the Fox television series Sleepy Hollow. I am Aaron, and with me is Brandon Peters. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon. And Maxwell Haddad. Greetings and salutations, listeners. We are back once again, um, not canceled yet, <laughs> and we are talking about the second episode of the second season. It is Kindred. And, uh, yeah, that's the plan there. Maxwell, what's the uh, what's the little brief synopsis for that one? All right. Ichabod Crane and Lieutenant Abby Mills concoct a daring plan to try to rescue Ichabod's wife, Katrina, from the Headless Horseman by resurrecting a Frankenstein-like monster created by Benjamin Franklin. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, Frank Irving faces new trouble after revealing the true details of his encounter with the demon, and Jenny Mills finds herself at odds with the new sheriff in town. When you hear something like a Frankenstein-like monster created by Benjamin Franklin, you have to wonder what type of acid the writers were tripping on in the writing room. And why they didn't call it just Frankenstein on the episode. Like, <laughs> letting the internet doing it for you. I mean, that's fine, I guess. But Maybe next week they'll, they'll be that witty enough to, to Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, almost perfect reading, Maxwell. Of course, it's pronounced Lieutenant, so we'll let you off this time, but, you know, next week. Yeah, He's not up. the real Maxwell. Step up your neck. <laughs> well, it just says LT, and I personally say Lieutenant, and <laughs> thus I went with my own perspective. I was not portraying Ichabod in that reading. But thank you for the compliment, and the criticism is duly noted, although I reject it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's the... Uh... Synopsis for this week's episode, Kindred. Uh, let's see, a few notes before uh, we go over the thing. Well, of course, we have one main thing to get to as well, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's see, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those since we're now in our second, you know, we're covering the second season of the show. Help out if, you know, we had more people listening in. So if you, you know, log on iTunes, maybe get a quick rating or a review. It doesn't take much time or much effort. It'd be really helpful to us because we could have other people find our show there, like desperately seeking Sleepy Hollow Podcast to listen to. And, um... Let's see, what else, before we get to the other thing, just really teasing that other thing out. Uh, Maxwell, do you have the ratings offhand this Absolutely. week's episode? Absolutely. This week's episode uh, had a 1.7 rating, which is a drop from the first week, uh, and 5.04 million viewers, which is mostly steady. Uh, just interesting to note, last week's episode, the first episode, in the live plus three ratings, grew by a full 50% up to a 3.0 rating in the key demo. And... Uh, Final note is that Scorpion, which uh, was a big hit in its first episode, retained most of its audience. Uh, so I think that's proving to be stiff competition for Sleepy Hollow in the 9 p.m. Monday hour. And last year, 9 p.m. on Monday, Sleepy Hollow didn't really have a serious competitor. So it uh, looks like uh, Ichabod and Abby are going to have to figure out how to kill the Scorpion. Do you think uh, CBS did what they did to NBC's comedies and were like, oh, that Sleepy Hollow's given us a run for their money. Let's... Uh... Let's get rid of the 9 p.m. comedies and, bam, put a drama. It's possible. I, I, well, I mean, if we're talking about it, I will say that it was originally planned. So Big Bang Theory is on Mondays because of Thursday Night Football. 
And last week there were two episodes, two new episodes, which was a good lead-in for Scorpion. And that worked so well that instead of premiering Mom this week or next week, they're just going to be rerunning episodes of Big Bang Theory at 8.30 to lead into Scorpion. So they are definitely trying to put up a fight. Jeez, the monster that is Big Bang Theory seems to be. Yeah, a thing even that... reruns of the Big Bang Theory do yeah. better than other shows. That's what like Ichabod even, and Abby need to fight against. Even the TBS syndicated episodes like regularly do better than like new shows on the other networks. People just love that show. It's like a virus. Um, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, with that out of the way, let's get to um, Gotham Corner. <laughs> all right. So here we are. We're in Gotham Corner. I believe, what, Brandon and I have seen this week's episode, is that correct? Yes. Brandon? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I thought you were waiting for Maxwell to say, oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, one thing to note, uh, we got uh, we got, we got like one response on Twitter that said, I like Gotham Quarter, keep it up, or something to that effect. So that's all you really need to keep us doing this. That's all we, we like need. to appease our listeners. There you go. <laughs> all we needed was one. <laughs> no one said it the other way, so that's the perfect excuse to keep doing this. Uh, so yeah, we had a new episode of Gotham this week. Again, we're just going to do kind of a, a quick thoughts on Gotham, because we figured, why not? Um, and yeah, this one was called Selena Kyle. Uh, it focused more on uh, the young Catwoman character. Or as Adam West would say, Catwoman. <laughs> and uh, brief thoughts, Brandon. What do you think of this week's Gotham? Uh, I believe you and I were on the same wavelength with this episode in that it was like a, a an episode of Batman the Animated Series come to life, almost. Mm-hmm. A, little, a little more adult tinge, but it, they definitely focused on the um, more comic bookish side of things as we... Saw the pilot kind of had this unbalance between like serious cop drama and and comic book thing. We kind of discussed last week that you know they could probably do both ways if they want. And this one went more for the comic book things. I think the the writing on the show is still maturing a little bit, and I think if you're patient, it's going to end up you know finding its its own path, and it's going to be pretty fine. Like I I, I don't need to see Oswald Cobblepot like like uh, cleverly called Penguin anymore. It's getting kind of old for me. But um, as it is Oswald, um, uh, no, it's pretty pretty solid episode. Um, I like the guest stars, and I uh, kind of thought it'd be funny if uh, when little Bruce Wayne was uh, raging with his headphones on, if he was listening to "Darkness, <laughs> No Parents." <laughs> thought that would have been funny, but um, yeah, solid episode. I'm still with the show. Jada Pinkett's awesome. I'm glad there's it, like. She gets some good showtime in the episode, and I hope they continue to string her along as if she's just as important as uh, Harvey Bullock and Jim Gordon. Yeah, I um, as I you know as Brandon and I both and, and Maxwell both all, all like the pilot episode. I thought this was you know more of that. It's you know definitely follows kind of a second episode type pattern where you repeat a lot of the same stuff in the pilot just to make sure everyone that's tuning in this week's like, oh okay, I get it, and it's all pretty straightforward it definitely does lean towards the more comic booky side of things and more kind of batman the animated series side in particular which is something that i'm very much a fan of so that's not terrible in any way i mean and and this is mainly in terms of kind of how the villains are handled of this week where you have these kind of over-the-top people and just given that it you know involves some fairly nefarious crimes they're hatching let alone some murder on the penguin side of things it's like yeah all right it's i i I was enjoying the kind of the tone they're going for. I agree that, yeah, the writing definitely needs to kind of, it's going to have to step it up, step it up in the future. And I, I have a feeling dialogue's never going to be the best friend to this show, but you know, we'll see where it goes. 
and yeah, I'm definitely going to you know keep watching. I am writing about it, but I want to keep watching regardless. So yeah, all right. I just have one point to make really, really quickly. Sure. I, obviously, I haven't seen the second episode yet, um, but I can't help but feel that I was thinking about it. Um, and obviously, I'm not the writer of the show, so who cares? But uh, I think a better structure for the show may have been to have the first season have Thomas and Martha Wayne alive and their characters, and then like the season finale is their death. Oh, that's a very interesting. Because yeah, we've, ne- okay. we've never really seen that, and I feel like that could have really put like hooks more into Gotham developing into what it it becomes. You know, causing the need for Batman. I don't it know. It would obviously. have made the well, it would have made the Wayne portion of it seem more relevant rather than ham fisted yeah. in there. It's I, a moot, moot I, ac- point, I actually thought that that's where it was going when this show was first announced. I thought that was going to be a big part of it of you having the Waynes involved as a kind of. You know, just to something to develop, and then like at the end of, if not the series, it'd be like the death of the Wayne or something, depending on how far it went back. Obviously, that's not how it happened, but I completely agree that I think it would have been a fascinating way to approach this kind of storyline. Yeah. But instead, um, we have lots of retreads of <laughs> on, online of like, look at all these deaths of the Wayne parents. Here's another one, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and then I guess one other point, which I think is a good segue into Sleepy Hollow, and I know it's something we talked about um, last year, is that how great Sleepy Hollow was for having two really strong, well-developed um, uh, female black characters. And this season on, on network television and, and Gotham, I think, it, with Jada Pinkett is great, is really uh, increased diversity, especially for female characters, which is really nice to see. Um, you know, you have Scandal, of course, and then How to Get Away with Murder, Gotham. Blackish. And, well, yeah, Blackish. Know, and, and Sleepy Hollow, which, you know, we talk about here. So it's just, it's been nice to see. And they're all like nonchalant. Yeah. With it too. Oh, not... yeah. None of it is. It's except for blackish. Yeah, obviously not. Well, black-ish. yeah, actually, yeah, uh, obviously uh, blackish. Yeah, yeah. The fact that, that, you know, they're, who cares? It's like they're just really well done characters. And I hope that continues. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was great to see, uh, this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow has the, the full credits. Yes, so was I was like, going to say something about that. Let's, uh, let's get to it. Let's get to yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's do let's, it. Let's move into let's it. That was, that was Gotham Corner, by the way. All right, so yeah, let's uh, let's get into this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow. It is called Kindred, of course, as we already said, and um, yeah, we do get the full credits. But before we get to that, we have like a good 13 minutes of intro to the episode first. It's a long, it, it's something I, I didn't really forget about that in the first season of Sleepy Hollow, but it, it we do like it, there are like long opening segments before we actually get to the like the title of the ep, of the of the series, the opening credits, and with all that, it begins with. Um, well, we get this reveal pretty quickly, but Ichabod's having a nightmare about Katrina being brought to some sort of, like, flaming circle, and the the horseman says, like, to be closer to me, I'm gonna have to make you more like me, or whatnot, and he, like, like throws an axe at her head before Ichabod wakes up, and he's like, oh, is that very nice? Abby's like, you're having a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. Now, we move on, Abby and uh, Ichabod are... Okay, so after they discuss... Ichabod's nightmare. They then get into a. They hop into the car and they start to drive, hoping to find out where the uh, the horseman is and where he's keeping Katrina. Uh, Abby, as Ichabod's kind of explaining that he, you know, he's upset about the fact that the horseman has his wife. Abby tries to remind Ichabod that Mol Moloch is the is the key here. He's the thing we're we're after. Uh, we should be focusing on that. And Ichabod reassures Abby that while Katrina is his wife any day, and he thinks that she could be a great asset to them, he has not forgot their mission. And he wants to accomplish both. All of that. Oh, we're introduced to Reyes. We're introduced to the new sheriff. There's a new sheriff in town this week on Sleepy Hollow. And she's very no-nonsense. And she quickly she quickly reveals that she knew Abby's mother. Have we heard about Abby's mother before this episode? Not much, really. 
Not much. We've just heard about the Mills sisters as kind of kids, but we never really heard about their upbringing necessarily, right? Right. right. They were both uh, both orphaned, right? Well, of course they'd both be orphaned. If yeah. <laughs> just one. Just one of the sisters no, was orphaned. Just one. If possible, like if the parents are like, "I like you better," the other one go away. Yeah. Um, just a uh, note: the uh, new sheriff, played by the uh, actress Sakina Jaffrey, who you may recognize from uh, Netflix's Cards. House of Cards. She was like, what, the president's like chief of staff, or to that something to that capacity. After we do meet the sheriff, then Ichabod, Ichabod comes to the police station, and he's like, it's like an outdoor scene, which I don't feel like we see too many of in term- <laughs> But like Ichabod's like outside the police station, he like comes at Abby. He's like, I have an idea of where they are, uh, Willow Point. And they like open a map and they like try to they find a location where they think the uh, horseman could possibly be, uh, and so they uh, make it. They make it over to this to the random cabin where Katrina is being held. Uh, Ichabod is able to confirm that the horseman and Katrina are located at this spot after he kind of throws a rock to create a distraction, and the horseman's horse comes out and he's able to see inside. Moving on, do we have a name for like the sleepy hollow like layer that these the the hide the hideout that these are? Just like is that the cabin? Who's at the cabin? Oh, we've had the we've called the the Buffy Library their little police place hangout. Yeah, their police archive is like the Buffy yeah. Library. Yeah, uh, they have a lot of different hideouts. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They have the catacombs, <laughs> they have the the police archives, and then they have the cabin. It almost suggests an unnecessary reason for Jenny to be getting arrested when she could be in anywhere else. But anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> um, Jenny's around. She's helping out with uh, finding what they need to try and assist them in. In uh, rescuing Katrina and you know possibly stopping the horseman or at least taking him out for a bit, Jenny is able to notice this drawing in the codex that they and was it Franklin's codex that they found. Uh, Crane reads about this uh, ceremony that took place and this thing called I think known as the Kindred, um, which is a creature assembled from the parts of deceased soldiers, um, which Benjamin Franklin uh, created as a it's like a patchwork that was believed to be a match for the horseman. It's basically a clone of the horseman. Uh, they, yeah, so they. They read about this. They find that there's like they had like some spell that Katrina's coven used um, was like apparently involved in kind of helping create this kindred creature. And Franklin assembled this body to contain Death's spirit. They never completed the spell because they lacked a, they they lacked a key component, which was the head of the horseman, or just a body part of the horseman. Ichabod and Abby they know that they they have possession of the horseman's head in some capacity because it's been hidden by uh, Irving, who we'll get to. And yeah, basically, that's it's a whole like really long opening uh, where we get an understanding of what the kindred is, and that basically there's some kind of Frankenstein monster that needs to be revived in order to possibly help them save Katrina. Yeah, typical Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. <laughs> and this was kind of a this was particularly a short one too. We've gone up to what like 17 minutes in the past, and this was around 10. It's still a long one. I mean, for yeah, not, no, it's long. For this not having is... seen this show in a while, it's been a long. Uh... Yeah, but we got we got that new. The new uh, credit sequence, which yeah. had faster clips of Ichabod, Abby, um, Ichabod's uh, Katrina, and uh, Orlando Jones, and uh, then we added two new characters in there. Yeah, we added Jenny, and we added Hen- Henry Parrish. Henry Parrish. It's un- I know it's un- unpopular to have full credit sequences these days, because they'd rather either put the time to commercials or to the show itself, but I find something charming about shows that yes. retain them. I wish more shows did. I know it's kind of old-fashioned, but... When it's a good credit sequence, especially like this one, the 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 music is great, and the the new visuals here are really set the mood. I really it's appreciated. Yeah, I I like it too. It's an it adds to an experience. Yeah, with the show. In my notes for the Gotham 
episode this week, I was I was kind of disappointed that there's not an intro sequence for Gotham. I'm just going to say the title, as opposed to having some kind of Hill Street Blues style police detective intro for the series. I mean, I, most is... most network shows don't even bother. Cable shows do because they have more freedom with time. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it started around what the 24 Alias and Lost kind of started doing this. Yeah, and like even Lost, it make it makes a lot of sense in terms of what that show is. Like, I wouldn't really expect like an elaborate Gilligan's Isle style theme for yeah. Lost, <laughs> or even Twenty Four. Like, those are shows that just kind of yeah, they mm-hmm. they seem to make it work for them. Or yeah, so every I mean, even like CSI still does it. They like go out of their way to get a Who song in there and have a whole intro title sequence. Yeah. I mean, I, I I dig them. I think it's fun, <clears throat> and I always like to go season to season and see what little tweaks and who what new people are in. The cast, like, I thought for the final, like, during, like, the final two seasons of Buffy, I thought Giles was going to meet his end soon because he wasn't in the main cast and kept getting listed, getting listed as special guest star. Yeah, Joss kept me on edge. Joss Whedon did a great job of screwing with people just based on the credits. Joss Whedon does that a lot. Like, he, he, he had both an Angel and Buffy. He has... He like he listed two characters for the first time in the episodes they did they, they died in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and then Angel towards the end of like the final season, he just kept like randomly adding people in, and it was like a long. Yeah. But it was nice. It was nice after years to finally see Harmony in the. Credits. Yeah, was, yeah, she got her. Dude. It felt like an honor to the actress who had been with Buffy since like the first or second season. Yes. Yes. But I, I hear you. It's it's a great way. I mean, Joss did that not to, you know, divert too long, but in the very first episode of the pilot, Eric Balfour, who ends up on 24 later, uh, was in the opening credits, and he dies in, in the two-part pilot, Welcome to the the, homecom- the Hellmouth. So I was like, well, gotcha. Yep, and he even had, like, an angel, the character of Doyle, was, like, looked like main big-time casting member, and he died, what, was it 10 episodes into the first season? No, he died was in the it? season finale. No, it was like no, nine or no, ten no, because they replaced him with like Wesley. Wesley, Wesley comes in episode eleven. Yeah, I've not watched Angel in a long time. So, <laughs> anyways, back to Sleepy. Back Hollow. to Sleepy Hollow. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, We're just full of fun facts, guys. Yes, TV shows, the podcast. Sitting at his desk, Henry summoned by Moloch. <laughs> I would uh, do that. Henry, <laughs> yeah. Henry, uh, he apologizes for failing to find a way for Moloch to cross over. Um, and Moloch says that he'll handle it from here. Do you, you notice that, like, Henry, he's, like, he's not not looking at Moloch, but he's certainly kind of shielding his vision to not directly stare at him a lot? Well, and we don't really get a clear look at Moloch either. For, yeah. Like, he's blurry, he's in, like, the corner of shot. You never get a real, just clean look at the guy. Yeah, which is, a, I think, a mix of that scarier. Yeah. <laughs> it's style and all that, but, yeah, it's true. interesting you point out that he's not even looking at him either. And he looks awesome. Like he's even she's more so than last the, season. The power of this of this being, um, especially for someone like Henry, who's you know fairly confident every step of the way. This is like the one thing that you know keeps him kind of in check. Um, or or he's playing him. It's it's either that or he, it or he's secretly kind of playing him for some reason. That's, that's a possibility. Uh, meanwhile, back at the cabin, Abby and Jenny have serious reservations about raising the kindred, um, but they finally agree it's their best bet. Uh, Franklin's uh, Benjamin Benjamin Franklin's journal notes um, says he preserved the body, so Crane sets off to find it while Jenny goes to get their cache of weapons from the tunnels. Okay, so that explains why Jenny was kind of will be in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
uh, back with uh, Abraham. It's weird that we have like horsemen's like a man. Surprised the horseman's not in the credits. I would have loved to just see like yeah, just like his body, just like turn to the camera and like look in, even though there's no with, head. with no head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be that'd be great. But yeah, okay. he he continues to kind of put Katrina, put the necklace on Katrina, and his head appears so they can have conversations. Yeah, so Katrina can't just be in a cabin with a headless guy the whole season. Exactly. He tries to kind of make Katrina jealous about the situation to kind of get her on his, on his side. Um, and he tells her that Malik has a plan for him, and he hopes that she'll go along willingly. Meanwhile, we get back to Abby, who's visiting Irving in jail, and he sees that he's... We, we see Ir- Irving's had a tough time in jail, it seems, as one would expect. Um, and she asks, him where, she asks him where he hid the head of the horseman, and... Um, she uh, and and Irving makes him aware. It makes her aware that it's been locked away in a safety deposit box. And he gives a good description too. It's like by behind like six foot walls of steel or something. Like, hey, there's a, there's plenty of way to script. He uses a lot of descriptive terms to explain why it's a great place to put a, a head for a horseman, a safety deposit box in a bank. They also discuss kind of what Irving can do to get out of a situation, and he they suggest the idea of him, you know, just admitting everything, which will get him into psychiatric uh, care. Uh, we'll get back to that later. Abby and Ichabod, they do go to the bank to retrieve the head. This leads to our giant comedy scene of the episode where Ichabod is greeted by someone trying to offer him a credit card, and he goes over the uh, the flaws in today's society involving having unlimited credit and things like that. We like the scene? Even better than that is yeah. the pen. The, the pen, pen joke. yes. The pen, the pen is joke is fantastic, and it's something I've wondered before. People trust you to keep their money safe, but you can't trust them not to take your pen? And he's absolutely right. <laughs> people, take, <laughs> people take the pens. So. Hey, TD Bank embraces that. Those green pens are, you know, sweeping the nation with their popularity. Yeah, people, it's a, it's a, yeah, people do pen. It's a drug now. It's crazy. <laughs> um, they retrieve the head. Um, it looks as happy as ever to be, you know, out and about. It tends to open his eyes at random points. Imagine walking to the bank being like, I need a safety deposit box big enough to fit uh, this head I have here, this decapitated head. <laughs> maybe like uh, like uh, eight by eight, you know, maybe a little bit bigger than normal. It's a it's a it's a Nazi skull. It's worth millions. I got <laughs> I got put this away. Yeah. Uh, back at the archives, Jenny is interrupted by Captain Reyes, who points out that the archives are on police property. So why are you here, uh, Reyes? In- Forbes Jenny that she knows all about her, including her escape from the psych ward, that she flipped a car. Uh, Jenny doesn't really explain too much, because how would you? And Reyes then takes a look into Jenny's bag, and she sees that there's a ton of weapons in there, so she is arrested. So yeah, bad timing on Jenny's part. Gotta ask you about Reyes now. We're gonna get more into Reyes in a second here, but do we like like this Reyes character? Does it seem like like a too much of a plot convenience to have a kind of character like this, or do you think it's a neat, a neat addition? It's currently annoying because we've already been through this with um with irving and stuff like like we feel like we broke that barrier and then they're they're now throwing it back there i'm hoping that reyes is in cahoots with modok somehow you think that's a possibility i hope because right now it's just pointlessly putting a brick wall in front of everybody and especially where we want where jenny winds up and is still at at the end of the episode is taking backpedaling to where we were stuck with for a while in season one, which was fresh and, and new in season one. And that's how the story went. But here just, I, I'm not sure about this. I'm going to see how it plays out. Probably will play out quicker, but I just felt like it was a little bit of staging some things to put some conflicts to draw things out. 
I, I don't think they'd introduce this character and in particular have her mention that she knows their mother and knows all about them without there being something more. Yes, yes. Um, whether it be that she is, you know, evil or, you know, secretly like the old, like Sheriff, uh, 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 Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, yeah. <laughs> Sheriff Clancy Brown. Something. There's going to be something. I, I can certainly see how it seems a bit redundant to where Captain Irving was. Uh, and I'm still a little bit confused about the whole, is it a sheriff? Is it a captain? Was it different? I don't know. See, I wrote um, down captain in my notes first, then they said sheriff. I'm like, all right, she's a sheriff. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping there's there's something more there, and uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, later, yeah, we get back to Crane and Abby, who go to the station to get the weapons and Jenny. Uh, but Jenny doesn't let Abe, Abby, Abby, Abby take the responsibility for her weapons. Uh, Reyes then consults, or just kind of asks Crane about, like, why are you here? <laughs> Which is a, I mean, it, yes, it is annoying to have this kind of authority figure suddenly in a show that's full of ridiculous things, including how to handle police procedurals. Um, but at the same time, why is Ichabod there? That's not a thing that's really easy for Abby to explain, which is kind of hilarious that Reyes is like, yeah, you're, you're the history consultant. What what do you do for us? Like, what, <laughs> what is your purpose here, sir? Um, which doesn't even really get resolved. It's more they just kind of like toss it aside, and it's like, all right, well, I guess you're you're a person. Later on, we get back to Irving actually, who's now undergoing a lie detector test. He admits everything um, and is able to, you know, con- convey the fact that he is telling the truth, regardless of whether or not uh, Reyes believes that Irving is somehow tricking the lie machine, which is lie detector machine, which is, of course, possible. But regardless, she gets him transferred to the psych ward from Supermax Prison, then promises him the latest in a hallucination therapies, which includes shock therapy. We'll get back to that later on, too. It doesn't now. seem like shock therapy to me would be the latest in any sort of therapy. There's, uh, that seems rather old hat to me. It's the, Unless, kind of, it's the kind of thing that makes me think that Reyes has to be something evil if shock therapy is somehow the answer to this problem. <laughs> I think it was a mostly empty threat to try and call his bluff, but... Well, it seems like he went through it by the end of this episode. It seems like they already like put him through like a phase of shock therapy. Maybe. <sighs> Orlando Jones bringing it. Later on, uh, we go back down to the tunnels uh, where Abby and Ichabod are looking around to try and find where this the, the, this kindred body is. Uh, they get to one point where a swarm of bats flies by, and this was a neat moment. Like, it... We get an explanation for why in a second, but like these bats fly by, and Abby seems like generally shocked by this, um, and it's a, it's a it's a weird beat, and I, and she then like describes that it was um, a same look that she got from Purgatory while she was down there, where she saw kind of when she was in Moloch's lair, she saw a series of bats fly by her in kind of the same pattern, and then she gets to uh, gets to have a, an emotional monologue where she talks about being in Purgatory and how it could, uh, they haven't it, her and Ichabod haven't really talked about her time spent down there. Um, regardless of how long that may have been, and she describes how she was uh, near, she was she thought she was near breaking, and what that meant, which was interesting. I like the it was, it was one of those good you know drama scenes in a show like Sleepy Hollow that kind of works. Yeah, I appreciated that scene. So yeah, uh, Ichabod and Abby they do manage to find the kind of I guess the 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 tomb of the kindred. Um, they find that it's booby trapped. Um, there's a lot of digs at Fra- uh, Benjamin Franklin by the way during this whole scene. Like uh, Ichabod is he's constantly digging at how Franklin just thought so much of himself and everything, which I find to be pretty funny, um, which includes uh, stating that he, the uh, the booby trap tomb is like, it was, um, it had the, the family crest of the 
Italian inventor named Galvani who invented the battery, and he explained that like Galvani's like the one man who who Franklin thought more of than his own self or whatever. But this revealed yeah that the tomb was booby trapped, and they get around that. They open up the wall, and a coffin slides out. Actually, Abby does say uh, Franklin Stein is monster yes. at the scene, <laughs> which is... and the show was smart enough to know that Ichabod wasn't around when the novel was out. Yeah, so he has no idea so like what this is referencing. I thought that was pretty. That, I'll that's have to give you a, a new reading list. Yes. I also feel like Abby should put the works of H.P. Lovecraft on uh, his reading list, because if I'm not mistaken, one of the quotes he reads in Franklin's journal is like a direct lift from Lovecraft, which means that Lovecraft stole it from Benjamin Franklin's journal if we're looking at real-world chronology here. <laughs> Let's see. So moving on. No Lovecraft fans? I, yeah, I get it. Is it? <laughs> I, I am interested to see what Ichabod does when he's not, you know, fighting demons and whatnot. I'm curious if he's just like... Reading. It would be nice to have like one episode where he's just like going to the grocery store, watching TV. Reading reading voraciously. <laughs> Flirting with the OnStar girl or something. <laughs> he's done that already. I, I mean, go back to it. <laughs> Man's not dead. His wife's just kidnapped. Let's see. Uh, Henry uh, talks to... Talks to his mother, uh, talks to Katrina, um, alerts her that they are coming to uh, try and save you, and uh, he's he's wondering, well, who's gonna who's gonna save them? Just kind of putting veiled threats her way to make her feel at, un, uneasy about the whole situation that she's trapped in. Um, meanwhile, Abby and Crane they start to uh, prepare raising the kindred at dark, so let him take on the horsemen while Crane goes in to rescue Katrina. Uh, they. They get the kindred's body all set up. They put the horseman's head on top of it. And uh, Crane begins to do the incantation. It doesn't work the first time around. Um, <laughs> That's a nice uh, comedic beat. And there's even like a, a line before it too where, where like Abby asks if you want to like set up candles or something. And he's like, yes, only if you want to set a, if you wish to set a mood, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Mm. Let's see. The horse, yeah, the horse, the, um, the horseman's coming. Like the, the, uh, which horseman's the headless horseman now? Cause we have war. Which, which one's he? Death. Death, right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> so this is like, we're, gonna a lot, we're gonna get a lot of horsemen in a second. We've, had, sure. we've, had, we've had death, we have war, and then pestilence was last season. Yeah, he showed he up, right? made a brief appearance, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so death is coming. Uh, Ichabod's still trying to make this incantation work. Uh, meanwhile, Henry's also starting to um, bring the horsemen of war, like his armor version of war, to come out and go after Ichabod as well. Uh, death arrives just as Ichabod's able to make the incantation work. So the there is a there is a funny moment though when uh, he's saying it and Abby's trying to get him to hurry and he mentions that I wasn't the witch in my family. Yeah. <laughs> or I was I was the one who wasn't a witch in my family. And yeah, the uh, the horseman B wakes up um, and the we begin to have a horseman battle. Um, so all this is going on, and it's it's pretty cool to see. I mean, we're we gotta, back to the show, Derek Mears. Yeah, right. They got a mon- the tall monster they need. They call him up. Um, so as this horseman battle is taking place, Ichabod tries to save Katrina, uh, but Katrina, she is she has a whole new plan. She wants to act as basically a spy, um, remaining inside and pleading to kind of making her seem like she's into what Abraham's selling, um, so he can kind of feed information over to Ichabod and Abby so they can help fight off the plan of Moloch. It wouldn't if if Ichabod was to retrieve Katrina, then Abraham death would just be just kind of killing all sorts of things in order to find her again. So it makes, she makes a lot of good points as to why she should stay his captive for the greater good. 
yeah. for the greater right. good, as well as a way to you know keep the dynamic of the show as Ichabod and Abby, not Ichabod, Abby, and Katrina. So from a writing standpoint, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, meanwhile, the Kindred, he's fighting off Abraham. He impales him at one point. He's able to save Abby. Kindred's awesome. Kindred's a good fighter. Oh, yeah. He's doing his job. Yeah, basically just yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, convincing of Ichabod to leave while the Kindred kind of staves off all the things. And then everyone basically leaves. Kindred goes his own way. Ichabod and Abby get out of there in time. And Heddle's horseman's like, all right, well, I fended off those foes. It's the end of that whole segment. Any more thoughts on the on the Kindred? We have nothing really to go on with the Kindred, do we? He's, I, he's, he's, he's awesome, awesome in a sword fight while using an axe. And very cool looking. Yes. Yeah, I agree. The show they they always... showed him on the, the, the commercials a bit, and I was like, where was this guy last week? And then I was like, oh, there he is. The show never ceases to outdo itself with the design of its creatures and monsters and effects for a network TV budget. Yeah. And he's uh, he's loose, right? Yeah, he's on the loose. We get back to the episode after that, because there's like a break when everyone leaves. Um, and the Kindred just like didn't return. He's just still out there somewhere. We don't know what he's doing. I assume shopping. Taking a nap. That's it. Maybe. maybe. He's been napping a while. Oh, now he's ahead, though, so he can you know dream or something. Uh, but I mean, uh, Katrina, she's playing into Abraham's hand about going along with his plans and all that, and uh, she even convinces that it's like, uh, like she was tied up all the time, and now she's like, you know what, I'm not going anywhere, no reason to tie me up, or you're just going to come find me again. So she's kind of, she's start, starting to lure him in to get, her on, to get her on her side secretly while she's pretending to be on his side. So, you know, clever Katrina stuff there. Uh, because the kindred's gone, we basically have Abby and Icky kind of weighing the positives of the night. They, um, they, they go over... Uh, the different things that they have working for them, given that they still they they couldn't get Katrina back, but they are still trying to be on the offensive and all this. Meanwhile, Jenny is still in jail, which is you know not helping anybody. And then we get to the last bit of the episode, which involves Irving. So Irving, from what I saw, I mean, he was like strapped into a hospital chair and or mm-hmm. like or like a sorry a, a gurney whatever a gurney uh, hospital bed, and it seems like he was just getting out of shock therapy. That's like what I, that's how I took it anyway, but. Um, he was certainly, you know, he's in the psych ward now, so that's whatever. Uh, Irving explains that he he knows he's not hallucinating anything. He 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 believes in everything that he said, and he wants Reyes to believe the fact that he believes everything that he said, and that she will eventually see the truth as well, which is why he's not going to budge on this whole thing. And as he's being prepared to, I presumably be shocked either some more for the first time. Henry Parrish comes in, inviting himself in as the lawyer, uh, Irving's lawyer that he was looking that they are looking for a lawyer anyway. I guess we have not. They haven't interacted before, which is the main takeaway I got from all this, right? Yeah, they've never crossed paths. Yeah. Because at first, I I forgot that they hadn't met before, so I was like, I, I thought like Irving was going to be like super like suspicious about all this, but yeah, they just never met before, so it makes sense with things. And yeah, unbeknownst to Irving, Henry claims to be on the you know one of the good guys who wants to defend uh, Irving, and he gets him to sign this contract. Which leads to a very ominous scene where Irving like cuts himself on the pen that Henry provides, um, which leads to some blood in the ink, which obviously cannot go very well for whatever is in the future for Irving. No, it's signed in blood. It's your soul. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, dun dun dun. Thoughts on thoughts on where this could go? This whole contract uh, scenario. Not looking good for Captain Irving. No, it's yeah. I, it, this is going to be one of the big sticklers, at least for. I don't know, could be most of the season, could be like the first third, but it's going to, yeah, I don't know, yeah, (laughs) how to get him out of this, I don't know. I I mean, I guess having Henry as his lawyer will at least allow for a way for Irving to get out of, you know, jail or, you know, at least be more 
accessible for the season, given that he's one of the cast members. So I'm on that side. It's like, yeah, we'll get Irving out of there. But yeah, it's like, what else does this imply by having him? Yeah, what does it force him to do? That's that's. The, I mean, we've already had where Irving had a, the 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 uh, difficulty of having to work against things for the possibility of his family being harmed. Where he had a didn't he have to last season? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, could be treading over something similar. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. We'll have all that out of the way. What do you guys think of the episode overall, Maxwell? Uh, the show continues its uh, string of highly insane and enjoyable episodes. Um, you know, a con- few contrivances, but overall I was into it. I really like the Kindred character, and uh, I am intrigued by the... You know, last week was really sort of fallout from last season, and then this week is sort of setting up what are likely going to be ongoing plots for weeks to come. And I also like how last season it seemed there were a couple episodes that were almost standalone, and, and so thus far this season seems more like they're just going to keep going with the the myth arc and not really... And we'll see, but, you know, doing these standalone mysteries. Yeah, I mean, we have 18 episodes, so I'll be curious if it isn't you know entirely plot-focused or, you know, it has room for room to breathe and just have kind of yeah kind of monster of the week episodes that don't really connect to the thing overall even if it does have a lot of plot momentum which is what sleepy hollow does quite well um but i yeah i i like this episode uh quite a bit we did because we did get more you know irving we got to deal with that side of the story as well as yeah the kindred character is quite neat i'm interested to see how that kind of plays in again if he's going to come back like right away next week or if he's going to just pop in every now and then and be like hello i'm fighting with you or something and yeah i mean we got our Having a signature scene of Ichabod interacting with reality is always fun, so that was that's another nice thing to bring back this week as well. Brandon, your thoughts? Uh, pretty much, yeah. On pace, uh, I'm with Maxwell uh, on this, and I, I'm sort of wondering where the um, the kind of like uh, world danger type stakes come in, aside from maybe Moloch coming to Earth, um, because it, these first two episodes felt very personal to like each of the characters as to what the conflict is, and I'm, I'm interested to see where it's going to go beyond them. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's, <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, because um, now we, we've kind of dealt with like, yeah, being in purgatory and having, <laughs> having my wife kidnapped and the, all this kind of stuff. So now we're back to, yeah, know, everybody's got their. Yeah, that's the because like last season was all about you know this big danger coming, and then it got sort of kept getting more personal as it as it went in i'm expecting it to kind of come back out and be a little more world damaging because i mean everybody's had like even the horseman has had a personal focus of interest so far well the horseman's even more he's he's more personally involved now that katrina's available and that he has access to a head is really emotes from yeah so i'm interested to see where that goes uh well if that said um let's let's do a little uh crazy hokum theory thoughts this week i guess i I think it all has to do with probably that you know the contract (laughs) like what that could be dealing with any ideas any any thoughts any hokum theories i don't necessarily have any thoughts about the contract but i do think that unfortunately uh at some point uh katrina will go over to the dark side she'll be swayed that way yes i mean the whole the horseman made some good points that you could tell were like she was like kind of in agreement with, which will make her an interesting. She's uh, a wild card. Yeah, wild card. You got so you got one like longing look that she took at like Abby um, when it, when it, when after discussions took place of Ichabod racing to rescue Abby, but not his woe and wife who's been stuck in there for years is certainly kind of an implication. 
of like, where is this going? That kind of thing. Um, even though we hear Ichabod steadfastly saying, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm all, I'm all about saving my wife, also stopping Moloch, but you know, my witch wife could be very helpful in all this. Um, my, my theory, I guess, is I, I'm not sold on Henry being a, like a, a right hand, hand man kind of to, Modoc, I feel like we're gonna see him sort of maybe break off into his own villainy or something, or or overcome Moloch or Modoc. Moloch, yeah. Moloch, Moloch, sorry. Yeah. But I, I have a, I just have this feeling that you know John, John Noble doesn't work for nobody. <laughs> he's the steward of Gondor, so you know. He's... Yeah. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll go a reverse on uh, Maxwell and say maybe they pull Death onto their side. Maybe they. Maybe they. Maybe Katrina convinces him to come over to the side of Ichabod and Abbey, and they have to just deal with the Horsemen of War. Love triangle or square? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, with all that out of the way, Brandon, what's next week's episode about? Uh, next week's episode, uh, season two, episode three, Root of All Evil. After a bank robbery turns violent. Abby and Ichabod embark on a hunt for a mysterious silver coin that has more power than meets the eye. Meanwhile, Captain Frank Irving is put in a position where he must choose between his family and the greater good, and the mill sisterly bond is put to the utmost test. So we get a we get a bank robbery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Curious to see what that's about. Supernatural uh, bank robbery. A heat style. You can only oh. hope. So yeah, that's next week's episode. That's Root of All Evil. And with that, I think that's going to bring us to the end of our tale this week in the hollow. Let's see, where can people find us? Feel free to email us um, at ichapodcranecast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at ichapodcrane or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ichapodcrane. Once again, this show is available on iTunes as well as at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show along with other shows about comics and fun stuff like that. Maxwell, where can people find more of your work online? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemaxwell and uh, visit my site cinemaxwell.com. Brandon? You can follow me on Twitter at BTPeters, and uh, you can go to my blog, Naptown Nerd, which is naptownnerd.blogspot.com. Currently writing about the Hammer Dracula series. Lots of fun. Please read. And I do Blu-ray reviews over at whysoblue.com. I also write for whysoblue.com. I have my own site, thecodazeek.com. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4 and the other podcast that I host out now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, we are currently, Brandon's actually joining us with this as well, but we're currently having some horror bonuses throughout October, so that should be a lot of fun to put out there. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it this week. So until next week's episode, Root of All Evil, we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see where that goes. So until next time, heads, well. <laughs>